Welcome back to the final episode of the different podcast for 2020. This episode sees us sit down with Rachel Murphy and Neil Gandhi from Panoply. We discuss the things that have gone well in 2020, as well as the things that maybe didn't go quite so well. And then we end it with looking towards 2021 and there could be some hope and excitement on the horizon. Enjoy. Welcome to The Different Podcast. It has been a year and we're going to try and sum it up in so many minutes with Neil and Rachel. So welcome both guys. How are you doing? Uh, Yeah, very good. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. How about you, Neil? Yeah, pretty good. I'll tell you what, it's the last day of work. Well... It might be the last day of work before Christmas. That was the intention um, 12 hours ago. But I'm sure, I'm sure um, we'll see what happens about that. But yeah, theoretical last day of work before Christmas. Awesome. So it's all board games and films today rather than actual work. Well, actually, Stiefel, who are our, our um, brokers or one of our brokers and um, uh, advisors in the city, have sent out cocktails for five o'clock this evening and they've sent me this, which is like, whoa, look at that. So, <laughs> which is a, a bottle of Kentucky winter old fashioned. So do you reckon you're gonna make it till five, Neil? I've got no choice, back to back all day. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. All right, so based on the fact that it's probably actually gonna be a busy last day for you guys, let's jump straight in and we're gonna take the usual format. And what I want to know is 2020, can you find something that went well? So that's a good uh, that's a good start, Joe. A good easy start. So for me, 2020, it feels like five years in one, uh, and that's the analogy that I've been using a lot. Can I find something that's gone well? I can probably find a couple of things, and and I think that's probably a combination of of being naturally quite optimistic, and marginally delusional. So that that probably works rather well. I think from a business perspective, we have, you know, we've continued to deliver for clients during 2020. uh, And we've continued to deliver during a really, really tough time with people working at home, which is not often their preferred way of operating. uh, And the business has continued to grow. And so for me, you know, we're, we're in a We're very lucky in this sector and in this industry because lots of sectors have been hugely impacted and and not necessarily for a short-term piece either. Um, And I think we're very lucky. The work that we do, you know, has purpose, adds value, but also we're sitting in a sector that is growing. And so for, for me, that's a definite positive. And from a selfish perspective, during the first lockdown, the weather was incredible. So uh, I had a fair bit of sunbathing as well. So you've got to take those positives where you find them. Nice. I think the weather was definitely a bonus uh, out of all of that. How about you, Neil? Because obviously you're coming from a different perspective with the fact that you're head of Panoply. It's not just one company, it's several. How, How did that go well? So I think, you know, we made some big calls at the beginning of the pandemic, like the decision not to take furlough decision to do everything we could to retain staff and you know if you, if you recall February going into March it was a, an incredibly uncertain period 
but we we set out a set of values and principles actually that was you know i think when you're going through massive uncertainty the only thing you've got are your principles so we laid out and wrote down a set of principles and those principles guided all our decision making one of them was to not take any government assistance if we could at all help it and and that turned out to be a great call and it turned out to be you know all those companies that took furlough that shouldn't have end up giving it back or or being shamed into giving it back i should say i think that was a great call um and that's so i think that went pretty well the the number one thing though that i think that went incredibly well is is i think as rachel's already said our, you know the people who work in the group across the group all did incredible work. I mean, I can imagine, you know, if you're trying to homeschool and also put in billable hours or you live in shared accommodation where it's less than ideal, it's all very well for certain people who've got you know, lovely homes and studies and whatever else to work in. But for others who are trying to work off a kitchen table or or, or off a, a small desk in, in, in the corner of a bedroom, it's less than ideal. And, and all of the people across the group stepped up hugely. And it's, it's, it's massively impressive. What they did, and as a result of that, the group has performed financially incredibly well. But it's all down to their heroic effort, um, really, that that that's actually happened. And then I think the other thing that went really well was because of that, and no other reason really, because of that, the city broadly, as a listed company, the city has realised who we are and what we're doing, and so they've woken up to the potential of the group. It's it's been two years since we listed, and it's taken nearly two years for them to realise that we're here, we're here to stay, we're we're a bit different to anybody else, uh, and we're worth backing. So um, yeah, I'd say that that's, that's gone pretty well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because anybody who would be asked, I think we can see that a lot on social media. Is if you ask them what went well in a pandemic, I think people would be like, "What do you mean? What went well? The house was on fire." consistently for nine months and and it's still still on fire so to be able to actually pull out some stuff that went well is is pretty incredible to be fair um to be able to look at what you guys have done and and say yeah actually we handled that and we did well what do you think rach i uh, i think that the um i think the key role that you kind of have as a CEO is absolutely about driving that energy uh, and leading from a resilient perspective. You know, I, I think people look to those that are leading their company to uh, provide some assurance and some security. And that's really hard in these circumstances because, you know, the reality is none of us could have predicted a pandemic, uh, not in my lifetime. I mean, I had no comprehension. And for somebody who previously loved the disaster movie, I'm not sure I'll ever be watching any more. Um, when you've had the year of 2020, it's like, forget that. Let's let's go and, I mean, I'm, I've moved to rom-com and Christmas specials at the minute, which is a total personality change. But, but I think that, um, I think the kind of optimistic without being delusional is, is, the, is the key bit there. You've got to remain plugged into what's happening. But, but also kind of bring some of that energy and that resilience so the team feel comfortable uh, where they're working and with, with what's going on as much as, as humanly possible in this environment. I, I think also, though, we, you know, we have to count, we have to you know, acknowledge that we're lucky. You know, we started tech companies and tech companies that are cloud native that can work from anywhere. And so, you know, I've in the whole, in the history of Panoply, I have not had an office. 
So, you know, suddenly being told you can't come to the office was no big deal. So we're lucky there. I mean, I, I, I do feel for people in other industries, in hospitality or in travel or whatever they're, they're in, you know, they, they've, they've had a dreadful, dreadful and continue to have a dreadful time. And we're, we just, I, I thank my lucky stars every day that I landed in tech because I could have well have landed in something else and it would have been much more difficult, I think. It's not skill, it's a lot of luck. Agreed. I do absolutely uh, believe that we are in a privileged position in the kind of industry that we are in. But it's also, I think, good to to be able to actually say that rather than just walking along in, in ignorance. So, okay. I feel like this could take a little bit longer, but I am going to ask the question, what didn't go so well in 2020? Neil, do you want to go first? I knew you'd land me with that one first. Give me no time <laughs> to think about what didn't go well. What didn't go well, I think the, the, the primary thing, I think, is our people's mental health in general. And, you know, yes, they've stepped up. Yes, they've been incredibly productive. Yes, they've carried on and delivered record results for the group. But I think it's been at a price. And the, the price of not being able to take proper time off, the price of working in the same place as you live, that the, the price of, of not having a decent holiday for the you know, through the course of the last 12 months, probably dealing with not being able to see relatives and friends in the way that you'd normally want to, has taken an enormous toll off people. So I think, I think that's the number one thing that hasn't gone well at all. You know, I'd, I'd love for people to have had proper rest, had fun times, and, and to have that work-life balance that I think most people have missed during the course of the year. I, uh, I would echo that. I, I think the impact from a mental health perspective is, is massive. And, and I also think that real life doesn't stop because a pandemic is raging. And that's the other bit. So I think that there is, circumstances will always happen, good and bad. But I think when you have something that is as fundamental as a pandemic uh, and normal life carries on at the same time, whether that is loss, whether that is people who are ill, um, you know, that combined, that cumulative is just all-encompassing and I think trying to balance that uh, has been particularly difficult for many people during the course of uh, of 2020. Yeah I think it would be remiss of us not to actually probably mention the mental health because that is so integral to, to making things work at work. From a company perspective though has there been anything that has been hindered perhaps by the pandemic or because of something else? Is there anything that maybe has tested you guys from a different perspective? I, uh, I think for me, it's the ability to get people together. So I'm, I'm naturally more extrovert. I know that will be a, be a surprise. Uh, but for me, I like being with others. And I think a lot of the work that we do, we can achieve it remotely. And we have, but it's not as much fun. And it takes more energy. And, and some of the stuff can be misconstrued when you're working on new digital tools that have just been built in, in a short space of time. When we do client kickoffs, um, you know, we've started work for half a dozen clients in 2020 we've never worked for before and we've never met in person. Uh, and, and the kind of nuance of when you're talking to people, when you're presenting um, and being able to read the body language, not throw a screen and build those relationships. I think it's that bit for me that I've probably found harder 
and I like the social and I make no bones about that. And that's not, you know, out having a party, but sometimes it is, but it's also out building the relationships with the clients and, and really kind of working with the teams. And, and that bit, I think, I think many of us have missed this year. I think the, the other thing is, you know, we've hired, I don't know how many people the group has hired this year, but I suspect close to a hundred or whatever it might be people. And so many of these colleagues that we now have, we've never actually met, yep. which is which is just horrendous <laughs> that we've not had the chance to meet face to face. And I can't even imagine what it's like for those people who've joined a new organization and then haven't actually met anybody from the organization in, in face in in real life. So, I, yeah, that's that think that's pretty, pretty difficult. We were talking about that at the different Christmas party last night and, and our head of uh, head of design. Uh, Holly, the, the, she's met two people from different and she happened to meet me for a coffee randomly whilst I was up in, in Newcastle, but but she hasn't met anybody else across the business and Charmaine, our head of people and, you know, naturally in that role as well, <laughs> you know, she hadn't met us apart from when we all sat having a socially distanced brownie in, in a park in London during during the course of 2020. It's It's a staggering kind of state of affairs. It's interesting, isn't it, that uh, people can come. We've had a few people, specifically, more specifically for, for the two of you. You actually, Rach, you sold your company to Panoply completely remotely. Now, for Neil, you've obviously had to do it face-to-face. -face. You've bought companies face-to-face. -face. You've bought now having to do that remotely. Is there a major difference? Does it? Do you hesitate more in taking risk because of that? Well, so so from a from an acquisition perspective, and with different, we were super lucky in that we met Rachel face to face before the lockdown, before the pandemic really kicked off. I think that might have been February time or something like that, or maybe early March. So we we had that first initial kind of look people in the eye and and see what they're about um, thing anyway. So that was that was fine. Um, we did an acquisition of Arthur Lee. But again, Stuart Arthur was a known entity to us, the, the guy that founded it. He'd been working with us for several months already. Um, so that was good. And then future acquisitions that we have a pipeline on today. I have to admit that where, where we get, where we end up getting close to uh, those acquisitions and where, where the rules allow, I end up going for long walks in the countryside with founders of companies because I can't meet them in an office. So I go for long walks and really get to know the individual. So we sort of, you, you figure out a way of getting around the situation that you're in and actually that those walks have been really good I think I'm going to use them in the future anyway even when we go back to normal because you really do get to know somebody over a, a two or three hour hike <laughs> so so yeah that, that that'll be something that we'll continue with how about you Rach I, I do love the walking and talking though that is a very positive psychology going on there um so that's really cool but Rach how about you because as you said you're you're an extrovert you like being with people so uh I I mean, I hadn't sold a company before. So for me, it was a learning curve. Neil's an old hand at, uh, at acquiring and selling. But, but for me, that kind of, uh, that process was new. Um, and it is a very detailed process, which by definition, probably is not my preferred uh, place to operate. But, uh, and I've teased Neil a lot about the due diligence ever since. Um, and I'm sure I'll be more equipped to do it next time round. But I... I guess for me, 
I would have preferred more face-to-face interaction, but the nature of due diligence and selling a company requires some really detailed work. And you're not, it's not a party anyway. Um, So it's, you know, it requires a lot of time and effort. And the interesting bit, I guess, was I never met my lawyer face to face as we went through the process. And um, she's a family friend. And, you know, we kind of subsequently have been laughing about that bit. But we didn't meet anybody who was doing the due diligence face to face. And that I found um, unusual. But in 2020, of course, it became second nature pretty quickly. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm not sure there's an easy way to do due diligence. Maybe I'll find it next time around. Who knows? I think we're getting better at it. Referring to my <laughs> side of it, Neil, not yours. <laughs> no, but I think we I think we're able to articulate more clearly, you know, what it is that we're looking for and so on. But, um, you know, but, you know, when you're buying a company, it's a big, big, big decision, both from the seller's perspective and from a buyer's perspective. And so you are going to look in a lot of detail and a lot of things beforehand to make sure that everything you think is happening and 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 is there is is actually really there so the the one thing i would say is i've i've never understood the company better than when i went through that process and it's interesting when you've set up and grown a company and been running it for three years that you feel you could know a lot more about it but i i definitely did so a positive which is always good. <laughs> if you're looking for a positive in that due diligence process, Joe, that's it. There we go. But everybody, there's hope on the other side. Um, okay, so <laughs> 2020, it has felt like 20 years rather than just the, the standard 12. And I'm sure we could probably spend all day talking about it. But 2021 is just around the corner. It's always exciting and slightly like what is going to happen. And I think it's maybe harder to predict because of 2020 but what is to come you know yes we're we're going through the winter that we always knew was going to come which was a winter in the middle of a pandemic so people indoors and you know increasing infection rates and you know pretty difficult situation today right now but at the same time you know through science and through technology we've created a vaccine in record time we've approved it in record time we've um, started rolling it out in record time and so I do believe that in a matter of months now that vaccine will have rolled out and and people will have and we will be through this and actually I, I truly believe that when we're properly through it and you know this becomes a minor um, uh, you know something out on the edge of what people get rather than um, something that so many people get right now there's almost going to be a post-war euphoria. I think the cork will come out of the bottle and people will go, yeah, they'll party like crazy, won't they? They'll go on holidays like crazy. They'll, you know, I think there'll just be this kind of amazing feeling of, phew, we got through it and, you know, life's looking a lot rosier. There There are those for whom it's taken a massive toll, both emotionally and economically. And so, you know, I'm not saying that you know that there's going to be a recovery period for people particularly those economically who've been hit really hard but i think the over overwhelming feeling of that will i i liken it to a sort of post-war euphoria is the way I, I think of it and i think that's what's going to happen there's going to be a day and i don't know if it's easter or whatever it is but there is going to be a day when sort of victory is declared and um 
And I think it will be just like those pictures that you see at the end of the Second World War and stuff like that. And it's going to be crazy, crazy. I'm looking forward to it. How about you, Rach? I, um, I think for me, uh, I think probably because I'm so asthmatic, I come at this from a slightly uh, more cautious view. And I had to shield during the first part of 2020. And uh, I think that made me feel vulnerable in a way that I've never felt before. Uh, so for me personally, I cannot wait to get that vaccine and get out and about. I can't stand the weather in the UK. I was born to live in a different country, a warmer one, uh, and I will be on that plane just as soon as humanly possible. Uh, and I do think there will be bounce back. I, I don't think we'll swing back to where we were, and I think that's a good thing too. But I do think that people... People need people and we all want to be back together again than, you know, the, how we've been operating for months and months now. I think it's sort of made me reevaluate this year what's really important to me. Uh, and freedom has always been a particularly high up my agenda of a priority. And I think I feel that that kind of drive for that more and more. And, and I don't think I'm alone. I mean, I'm right up for that party. Count me in. But it's, uh, it's, it's that kind of doing it safely and controlled. Uh, and these are phrases that if the 20-year-old 20 20 year me heard this, I'd be thinking, who is that loser? Um, but I think as you get a little bit older, and I don't know whether it's a bit wiser or a bit more reflective, but I think we've got to, we've got to ride the storm for the next few months, get the vaccine rolled out, uh, and then start to get back to it. I, I do think there will be a new normal. I don't think we are going back to some of the craziness that we've seen. I, I was at, at a thing um, yesterday uh, where there was a, a person from the World Economic Forum speaking, and, and their view was that, you know, we, once you've banked these gains, like from, from particularly from a climate perspective, we now know that we don't have to travel for business as much as we used to, right? And, and therefore the, the, the emissions, the carbon emissions that resulted from that will be something we don't have to do. As a group, you know, we report in detail our scope one, two, and three emissions. And, you know, do, do we, are we tempted as soon as we're able to suddenly start flying across Europe and, you know, doing day trips here and there and, and doing the things that we've done in the past? I don't think we will because it would, we'll see our emissions go sky high again. And so I think some people will realize that you don't have to do all those things. I, I just can't see, I can't see that five day a week uh, being in the office all the time thing as being a normal. I hope clients, and you know, bear in mind that 70 odd percent of our revenue is public sector. I really hope clients don't make us do that. I think it will be counterproductive if they kind of say, well, I know, you know, we're all back to normal. We want you on site Monday to Friday, 9am Monday through till 5.30 on Friday. And, you know, and all the travel that kind of goes with that and all the disruption to family life that goes with that. And the, you know, the ability to, to have the best people on your project kind of goes out as a consequence of that. Only so many people are prepared to live like that. So I'm, I'm hopeful that clients won't do it, but I'm a bit fearful that they will, just from the early signs that we're seeing from some of the public sector clients that we've got, um, or some of the conversations that we're having is that there is this almost, you know, we want you back, we want you back on site, but I'm not sure they really mean it. No, it's funny because uh, during uh, the earlier part of 2020, we, we really wrestled with one of our public sector clients around having people on site. 
from a personal standpoint, I was totally opposed to it. And we were two or three weeks before the lockdown. Uh, and we're starting to see some clients at the minute in the healthcare setting who are saying we'd rather you were on site, which I find astonishing. But but I uh, I agree, the two hour commute each way, uh, nobody is gonna be up for that. And, and I think, and I hope that the move to managing suppliers but by outcomes is is the way to achieve that. So it's not, you know, the old school clock in. Um, it's much more. We're looking for this outcome, and and me please measure us by that. So I, you know, I'm hope hopeful that that's the uh, that's the approach. I hope so, right? Because that's haven't we learned that? Isn't that the thing that we learned through 2020 was that actually the only thing that mattered was the outcome. And then you know when we and we all parts of the group have done incredible work if it's you know doing camden's beacon project of looking after shielded residents or you know creating a ventilator dashboard for manufacturers or all the, all the work that's happened across the group you know nobody cared at that time where you were sitting or whether you were in an office at 9 a.m or you know even to, to a large extent you know what a day rate was i mean what, what a crazy unit of measure that is yeah. um <laughs> And, and, you know, what they cared about was, can you get this thing built for us? Can it go live? Will it work? And can you do it by a certain date? Yes. And, and you know, I, I really hope that our, our, the sector that we work in learns from that and doesn't try and revert back to, well, okay, you know, we'll, we'll go back to a day rate. We just need to see people in front of us. And that gives us some sort of comfort that lots of work is being done. I mean, come on. I mean, that's such a... It's not never mind twentieth century. It's a nineteenth century way of thinking, and 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 I I do hope that they then that our clients and potential clients move to the twenty first century as a consequence. I think the other good thing that we have seen in in talking about outcomes during twenty twenty is where we've been able to uh, challenge even the clients' thinking about um, a timeline around an outcome. So if we'd followed the client's request for a timeline to build the home testing for COVID nineteen it would have been in line with a normal project. As it was, we built the service and had it out in eight days. You know, you can't get a GDS assessment scheduled in for a month or two. We had one done virtually in 15 minutes. And, and that's what I think we're looking for. It needs to be prioritized and it needs to be outcome-based. And of course, we can't all operate like we're in a pandemic forever, but, but that kind of unit of measurement, I think is a, is a really interesting a really interesting thing we need to have a look at in 2021. I you know, um, I, again, I, I was at this thing yesterday, the, the person from the World Economic Forum, but actually the, the event was uh, run by somebody who was inside Pfizer in the, um, through the pandemic, through the vaccine process. And the learning that they took and what the approach that they took around, firstly, finding a licensing partner in BioNTech and then working out how to do the trials in the way that they did and then working out how to do distribution in the way that they did they literally took their organization from and changed it from top to bottom in months a huge pharmaceutical company and you know I, I would like that to be a case study for everybody else of what you can do in a really complex organization um, a large and complex organization that you can change it and it just requires strength of leadership um, to make it happen. I mean, you know, the, the, from what I understand from, from the Pfizer thing is that that's how they're going to work moving forward. This isn't just a one-time emergency thing that they've done for, for, the, for the COVID-19 vaccine. It's that they're, they're working on um, 
cancer treatments and, and and other treatments that they're working on that they've now said that's how we work from now on and we'll use the pandemic to change all those processes that we've always thought were too hard to change and but they've now realized that they can i think you, you're in danger of getting me on my favorite subject here neil um but i i think that we are i think we're about to see the tide turn a bit in 2021 with closer working between healthcare and pharma and, and working together on joint outcomes so instead of kind of fearing um you know that that aspect um, I think that there's going to be a move to digital therapeutics. You know, we're going to start to see drugs being prescribed with digital tools sitting alongside. And that's a that's a really fascinating uh, change in, in how healthcare will need to work, but also in how the public will start to take responsibility um, around uh, around their own, you know, uh, their, their own healthcare. Exciting times what I wasn't expecting so much for 2021 considering we're still in a pandemic but that the future does look good it looks optimistic which I think we need some of that and I think it's it's not an undetermined thing it's gonna be a thing for 2021 which is great and so with Panoply with different what is what does 2021 hold for them specifically could you sum that up in a sentence? So I think the opportunity for different with with Panoply um, is about joining um, a an organisation that shares the same values. It's about wanting to really, truly deliver services for the public sector. Um, it's the ability to start to go after much bigger opportunities and really add that value. And, you know, we're not shy about the fact that we want to come and challenge some of the big four. And we don't want to challenge the big four for the sakes of challenging the big four. We want to challenge because we think we can add greater value than they are getting currently. And I think the that for me is the exciting opportunity for different as part of Panoply. Um, and, and there will be moves afoot on, on how different work within the group but I, I think, you know, what will remain true to what we have been doing for the last uh, three years will be about a people focus in way of sectors. It will absolutely be health and social care. Uh, and it will be the public sector that we continue wanting to uh, deliver into. But I, I think being part of Panoply gives us the opportunity to do that on a much larger scale and really use the power and the skills across the group to maximize that opportunity. Yeah, and just to echo some of that really, you know, we are today a 50 million run rate company with uh, some 450 odd employees. We have the ability to take on some of the chunkier meaningful projects that are there and I think our opportunity as a group is to work more closely together more more than ever before um, to really present the group as a whole rather than just the the, the, the parts individual parts of it and, and so that's that's what you'll see us do you know I, I don't come most of you will know I don't come from a public sector background at all I don't claim to have worked in the sector or even sold to the sector prior to Panoply so I'm no, no sector expert. What I do know is technology. And I do know that, you know, that, that most technology projects that are, that are being delivered today um, in the public sector can probably be delivered 
for 10% of the price for a better outcome than what government are currently paying. Now, I, I can't claim to understand the, the, the difficulties and the challenges about change, such level of change, because as I said, I don't know the sector, but I do know that's, that's a real fact. And so our, our chance really is to go and you know, make that happen. And, you know, maybe the real answer is, you know, you deliver it for 25% of the cost that, that, um, that, that you can do, that, that has historically been paid because of the complexities of the organization and change and all the rest of it. I don't know, but, you know, we got people like Rachel and Matt Skinner and, and others on board who understand the sector inside out, back to front, who can sort of guide me through that. But I think that's, that's our real uh, chance in 21. Uh, to start to do that. I think the other thing is, you know, we've always said that we want to be a purpose-driven public company, but I don't think we've been able to articulate particularly what purpose really means. And so for me, that that starts to, you know, it's, for me, it's always been about treating all stakeholders equally. So making every decision with all stakeholders. So stakeholders are employees, clients, suppliers, shareholders obviously a really important um, group but not the dominant group which is i think is the problem of the last 40 years or so uh, but also the environment and the community in which we operate they're all stakeholders so every decision we ever make is about balancing all of that to, to get the right outcome and i think for, so for me i think 21 is going to be a definition of purpose what do we really mean by that and what, what do we stand for uh, and what are we out to do and i you know early thoughts on it are you know, how many people is do we impact? How many people's lives are we are positively impacted by the work we do? And that's something I think we'll start to measure through 21. A definition of purpose. I like it. To be fair, listening to you guys, I think, as we've already touched on, 2020 has been incredibly insane and resilience has been tested. But to think about 2021 was different with Panoply and how you guys are talking about it just is excitement, and it gives us hope moving into 2021. So that's incredible. And I can't wait to hopefully be back here again at the end of next year, discussing what that definition of purpose actually means. So uh, thank you very much, guys. This has been a really great conversation and I wish you both a good Christmas and a good new year. Brilliant. Right, thanks very much. Thank you. See you soon.